welcome. It is officially or officially, however you want to say the word. I've been critiqued on how I say officially. I say officially. I guess it's officially. But since I rewrote the encyclopedia and the dictionary in all the books that matter, I can say how I want it. But it is 2020 in the Barbara Walters way. It is 2020. It is the new decade. Edge of your seat podcast is definitely ready to bring some awesomeness hopefully for a whole decade that'd be awesome if we could do that i'm only 34 so i mean i could get 10 years of this easy anyway it is 2020 i am super pumped about a lot of stuff a lot of things have been going on unfortunately with holiday season it was really tough to do some podcasting i'm going to have a show today saturday sunday monday from now on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I know I said that before, but then holidays came up and it became really crazy tough to do that. But moving forward, Monday, Wednesday, Friday will be broadcast time for Edge of URC podcast. Hopefully I can have them in the morning. That is the goal. Maybe be a little later sometimes. Just depends. But the plan is in the morning. Get all that stuff out of the way. You know where to listen to us. Spotify. Apple Music, iTunes, Google Music, which was just added last week. You can catch us on Facebook and Twitter. Everything else is Edge of URC Podcast, except for Twitter, which is Edge of URC P. But if you put Edge of Your, mine pops up instantly. So hopefully that's what happens to you and everybody else. That would be amazing. My mom decided that, yeah, she agreed with me that these aren't really interviews. These are conversations. Just casual sit-downs, chilling finding out some info about you, me, whoever is on. And that's what I like, and she liked it too. So if my mom likes it, I guess that's just how it goes. Yeah, why not? Anyway, I hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Everything went how you wanted it to. Shout out to Brian Cavelli. He created, produced the beat that is in the intro and outro. I hope he had a happy holiday as well, just like all of you. Our guest for this show, episode 28 is St. B boys basketball coach Brian Hansen. I've actually only known Brian for his time as the head coach, but sort of, kind of. I knew him way before that, but I just never met him. His family is sort of my family, but not really. It's a weird, weird dynamic, but I have known his family for a very, very long time, and I look at some members of his family as if they're my family. You know, those figures that come in and and mean something to you might not be blood relative but they mean that much to you that you know you do anything for them you see them on holidays you went on vacation with them things like that I have connections with his family like that so I've known him for a long time I actually wrote his first preview when he took over the St. Bede boys basketball program from Mike Kilmartin who was the athletic director when I was at Mendota High School Brian Hansen great guy talks a lot about St. Bede basketball when I did talk to Brian Hansen, it was right after the Kimoni Classic. They were in the Marseilles Holiday Tournament afterwards and have been playing a few games since. Paul Hart has been tearing it up for St. Bede. He is a sophomore. And Brian was just pumped up about his team. Just a lot of things clicking. I mean, they're still young, not winning a crazy amount of games, and are not taking over the world. But each day they're improving, and that's what I like to hear. And obviously so does Brian. So we had a great conversation, great chat. That is on this show. I am super pumped to get that out to you guys. But before we get to that, a few things I want to talk about. Like I said, 
Holidays have been super crazy, but they're awesome. I had a really good time. Family went and seen Jumanji, went and seen Star Wars. Played a ton of games with my nieces and nephews on New Year's Day. It was awesome. But I did want to say, if you've never played this game called Overcooked, I played it on PS4. I don't know if it's on Xbox or anything like that. My nieces, my nephews, and my mother, and my sister, and her husband actually, love this game called Overcooked. It is actually kind of cool. It's a little childish, but then it gets hard, and then, you know, adults can't even do it sometimes. But I did learn, video game-wise, like, I've always played video games. I came in the era when they were just starting to become popular. You know, the regular Nintendo, I think, came out the year I was born or the year after. You know, early 80s. The, of course, the Atari and, you know, the Pong arcade game and stuff. But I was young in the era of let's figure out how to make video games awesome and you know mass produce them and how they are super mass produced and absolutely everywhere but i remember uh, it was 1992 i want to say i was like seven it might have been 1993 i was like seven or eight there was a local video store that had a contest where they were going to give an awesome prize to the writer of the best letter to santa so i'm a little kid i'm seven or eight years old and I'm like, I'm going to write. I'm going to write this and see what happens. Well, I wrote the best letter, and I won a Super Nintendo with Zelda. And that changed my life forever. I obviously continued writing. I was a sports journalist for 14 years, got a degree in it, and, you know, pretty much supported my life for quite a long time. And now I use it as a hobby, and maybe I'll write some other time. But it also got me into video games, and I've been pretty, never been really a crazy gamer. I mean, if I sit down and play video games for more than three hours, I go crazy. I need to get up, do something, things like that. I can't sit on the game for six, seven, eight hours like I know a lot of other people can. Like the Call of Duty Legends or the NBA 2K Legends that are on the game for 10, 11, 12 hours a day. No way I could ever do that. But winning that game gave me tons, tons, tons of motivation to continue writing. I wrote little comic books and drew pictures when I was a little kid, short stories, obviously sports journalism, I did some other news stories, and I've definitely been playing NBA 2K since the series started. I was huge into Madden, not so much because now the game is, it's just a roster update, that's pretty much all it is, or at least the last couple that I had played. So obviously this contest pushed me in the right direction to, to do things that I wanted to do, but I've noticed that Kids now can play just as well or better than people my age or even older, a few years younger, depending. My nieces and nephews have the coordination. I mean, they were born with a controller in their hand for the most part, and they can play the heck out of some games. So we were playing Overcooked together. It was a lot of fun. You run and try to make soups and stuff, cutting ingredients, putting them together, putting them on a plate while other obstacles and things are happening. It was a lot of fun. It was a way for me to bond with my nieces and nephews. And it's all about communication, which obviously we need communication for things to work in life, relationships to work in life. And for me to be able to sit there and talk to my nieces and nephews and make a game plan for this game and to you know pass these missions, I think it taught all of us a lot about each other and about how we work together and things like that. So it was kind of like a learning, a learning experience too, which was I thought it was pretty cool. Sure, there was a couple of times things got heated a little little raised voices and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, 
we got our missions done and we went to the next level of overcooked it was a lot of fun other than that not really a gift guy had a lot of fun chilling with family and chilling with people that i wanted to chill with it was really cool moving on from the holidays and family events i want to talk about a couple national things then we'll get to local basketball and of course our interview with brian hansen I do want to say RIP to David Stern. Stern was the NBA commissioner from 1984 to 2014. He passed away January 1st. He at least made it to the next decade. Unfortunately passed away. He was the fourth commish of the NBA. And honestly, he, he's the most groundbreaking. He kind of had help. I mean, he started in 84 when the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers and Boston Celtics with Magic Johnson and, of course, Larry Bird are going back and forth. Huge rivalry that carried over from college ball. Then he goes into Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, LeBron. You know, those those guys, polarizing players and polarizing figures that any commissioner could have had success with, with them being in his league. But that wasn't it. He didn't stop there. He globalized the game. He made NBA in China, in Indonesia in Europe, Germany, anywhere, anywhere east of us, people are wearing NBA jerseys or NBA t-shirts or talking about LeBron or probably still Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe still. And it's because of David Stern. He pushed to get the game globalized for everybody to know about the NBA brand, the level of basketball. He's the one that started the Dream Team. He pushed for the NBA talent to get into Olympic basketball and look where it went from there. First of all, the 1992 Dream Team is the best team of all time, even with Christian Leitner. Sorry, Christian, I had to say that. But he was the weakest player and could have been replaced by a lot of people and been a better fit. But that team was the greatest team ever put together on the basketball court. And it was because of David Stern. He's the one that allowed professionals instead of amateur players. That's how it was before this. Amateurs to play in the Olympics and set a new standard for Olympic play. And made, I honestly think, him doing that made all the other teams better. Spain, France. I mean, France doesn't have a great history. But they've all continued to get better and better and better. And more players from all these other countries are in the NBA every year. And it was because the Dream Team started this revolution, this new standard for basketball. That was a dream team, and that was David Stern. So yes, he did have great talent, which obviously makes leagues, teams, stuff like that better, but he did something with it. He put them on a stage to globalize a brand, his brand, and that can never go overshadowed, never at all. I think he's the best commissioner in any sports league. Honestly, to be completely honest with you, because then after he did that, then all the others, baseball, MLB, football, NFL, now they're all trying to globalize. Without Stern doing that, there's no football games in London. Baseball isn't playing tournaments in Cuba and Puerto Rico and things like that and having televised. None of that is happening if David Stern doesn't globalize the NBA the way he did. Then other sports, other commissioners saw how that worked and how Stern perfected it and then followed. None of that happens without David Stern doing what he did. Rest in peace, Mr. Stern. Obviously, I wish he could have stayed the commissioner forever. We have to pass away, have to move on. That's life. But what he did for the NBA will never, ever be overlooked.
So now we're going to go to a death, a passing away, to a firing. Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys are going to split ways. All I can say is thank you. I used to be a huge Cowboys fan when I grew up. Who wasn't a Cowboys fan in the 90s? Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders. Even if you're not a football fan or not a sports fan, you know those names. You know those personalities. If you are anywhere from 8 to 50, from 1992 to 2000, you know who Deion Sanders is. I don't even think there's, it's a 70%. 97% of the world, from 8 years old to 50 years old, from 92 to 2000, know who Deion Sanders is. Polarizing figure. Troy Aikman, Hall of Fame quarterback, Emmitt Smith, still the lead, leading all-time rusher. All-time, the most yards, still. Michael Irvin, he's on ESPN, running his mouth all the time. Still one of my favorite guys to listen to because he does run his mouth the way he does. All these guys are still, uh, Troy Aikman's broadcasting football games all the time now, everywhere. Anytime I turn on the Cowboys, the Bears, any NFC game, I'm pretty sure that Troy Aikman's going to be doing it. It seems like he is all the time but they were even better on the field. So for me to grow up and watch them, I'm not a fan anymore. I'm a Bears fan. I mean, I stopped watching the Cowboys. I I don't even know if I was 10 years old and, you know, was watching Bears. Came to my senses and figured out where I was at and everybody else around me rocking Bears shirts, wearing Bears hats, stuff like that. And I mean, I'm young and this is probably like fourth grade, fifth grade. I was like, oh, I kind of like the Bears. Always kind of paying attention to the Cowboys, seeing how they're doing. They're like my secondary team. But anyway, Jason Garrett has been with the team since 2007. 2007, he was offensive coordinator. 2008 to 2010, he was the assistant head coach and the offensive coordinator. 2000, he's the interim coach. 2011, he takes over as head coach. They only had two losing seasons. In 2010, they were 6-10. In 2015, they were 4-12. But they only made it to the playoffs five times and never got past the divisional round. As a head coach, he got to the playoffs three times. 2014, loses to the Packers in the divisional round, 26-21. 2016, loses to the Packers in the divisional round, 34-31. 2018, loses to the Rams. Thought it was going to be the Packers again. Loses to the Rams, 30-22 divisional round. What I am trying to say with these numbers, with how he has not produced any championships, any anything really, they only won the East three times since 2010, and that was in 14, 16, and 18. He goes first, fourth, first, second, first, second since 2014. He can't get over the hump. He's had good years. 2011, 12, 13, he goes eight and eight all three years. Has good seasons, but can't get the big wins. Can't get the thing that you needed to get over the hill to make your team revered or thinking that anytime that you meet them in the playoffs that, oh man, we're going to have to play our A game, they're coming. No, it's really if you see the Cowboys in the playoffs, it's like, okay, they're not going to get past the second round. And they haven't. They haven't in since the Super Bowl win in 1995. So since 1995, they haven't got past the divisional round of the playoffs. Obviously, Jason Garrett wasn't with the team the entire time, but for the last nine years, three playoff appearances, three losses in the divisional round. 
I think that says it all. I mean, he can't get it done. So why keep him around? I know he's Jerry Jones' boy. If he wasn't Jerry Jones' boy, he would have been fired a long time ago. Because it's not like he hasn't had talent. He has had superb talent. Dak Prescott was the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2016. Before that, in 2014, he had DeMarco Murray, Offensive Player of the Year. He's had Jason Witten, a Hall of Famer. He's had good quarterbacks. Say what you want about Tony Romo, but he was always a top 10 quarterback. I liked him personally. He's had stellar running backs. Now he's got Zeke Elliott. He's a monster, but he can't win more than eight games, or he can't get past a divisional round. And their offensive line, this is the thing that gets me. One thing I always say about the Chicago Bears, if they had a better offensive line, you know, maybe our offense would be better and we would be that Super Bowl contender that everybody thought we would be this year, which not even close. The Dallas Cowboys have had the best offensive line in the NFL for probably the last four or five years. At least the last three. No doubt about it. The best offensive line. Nobody can get through them. And they can't manufacture wins or manufacture an offense that people are scared of or people are revering or looking up to or like, hey, talking about it. Like, hey, like, hey, that Dallas Cowboys offense is amazing. We'll say that about the offensive line, but for some odd reason, things aren't clicking. Is that the game plan? Is that the playbook? I don't know what it is, but you're seeing it on the field. You're seeing it in the record books. It's not working. So sayonara, Jason Garrett. I'm not really sad about it at all. I thought it was going to happen a long time ago. I am interested to see who the Cowboys are going to bring in next. Urban Meyer, successful college coach, has been talked about a lot taking over the position. I think I would personally love that. He has been successful everywhere he's went, and I think he can produce on the NFL stage. We'll see. Maybe they don't go that route and go somewhere else. I don't know. But it would be cool to see the Dallas Cowboys relevant again been a long time since super super relevant i mean they're looked at every year it's like oh they're the cowboys they got this talent maybe they can do it this year and then the year goes on and it quickly dies down that hype is killed quicker than the cleveland browns hype was this year and we all know the cleveland brown hype going into this season was super massive it was shut down really fast the cowboys just haven't been able to get it done when they should they're kind of like one of those teams like the New York Knicks or the New York Yankees, Lakers. These are teams, these are franchises that you're used to seeing on top of their league, on top of their sport. And when they're not, it's kind of weird. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's wrong or right or, you know, whatever. And some people don't want those teams to win because of that factor. But it does seem like things are going right in the world when those teams are good and in the playoffs at least. I'm not saying they have to win championships every year, but it is cool seeing them there and then you know, you're know you talking about the history of the squads and your favorite players and all this other stuff and it brings back all these memories. Funny thing is, is we're gonna look back on the New England Patriots in about 15 to 20 years and put them in that category. They have become the new America's team. I hate to say it, but they are. The New England Patriots are that new team or the newest of the collection that I said that now that you think have to be in the playoffs or at least have to be contending successful every season. I don't know if they're going to be after Bill Belichick, head coach Bill Belichick, and of course, legendary, going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, Tom Brady, step aside. Once they do that, who knows what's going to happen, but I don't see them going on a crazy tear like they've been on without those two. So, feeling about 10, 15 years, 
they're going to be in that category of teams that I was just talking about. Enough national stuff. Real quick, the high school basketball tournaments are over, which is kind of weird. Now it's like the long haul, the meat and potatoes of the season. Now it's conference games. You're playing three, four, five games in eight days or nine days, and it's a, it's a grind. Everybody will tell you that has been in basketball, it is a grind. Especially, I mean, you got to go to school all day. Then you're on a bus for, you know, sometimes it could be an hour, maybe even more sometimes. You play a game, you go back home, it's like 10, 11 o'clock, you got to do homework. And then you wake up, go back to school, and then you got to practice. It never stops. It does not stop until the season's over. And now they're in that long haul. They are going to be right after Christmas break is over. Brian Hansen and I talk a lot of prep basketball and other things. We get into NBA topics. It was a great conversation. Again, I hope everybody had a happy new year, a merry Christmas, and are ready to plug along in 2020. I am not really a resolution guy. There are some things that you know I set aside like, hey, it would be cool if I could do this. Of course, everybody and their grandmother and their best friend and their sister and their dog and everything else and everybody else that they know all want to lose weight. Nobody says they don't. I work with somebody who is literally like 95 pounds and was talking about losing weight. Just saying, everybody wants to lose weight. I don't set any resolution like, oh, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to do that. But I think, you know, for the new year, I can watch some things that I eat. But we'll see what happens. And if I don't, I don't. <laughs> I'm living life and I'm having fun. That's all that matters to me. So, other than that, not really. I mean, my resolution for my life, not just each year, is to live to the fullest, have the most fun I can, try to smile through everything, good, bad, in the middle, whatever. That is my resolution for life, not just a year. And that's what I do every year. Try my bestest. That's all you can do. I'd say until next time, but next time will be tomorrow, which is Saturday. And we will have Ottawa boys basketball head coach, Mark Cooper. He joined us, talked about a lot of different things. We reminisce of his father, Robert Cooper, who passed away recently. Rest in peace to him. Great gentleman from Mendota, Illinois, who did absolutely everything in the sports world, education world, everything. We talk about him. We talk about the Pirates. We break down all kinds of stuff. Mark Cooper is a great guy. All my guests have been great. I have not had one person on the show, and I'm like, man, not a good interview. That was not a good chat. I have not had a single one, and we will keep that trend running throughout Edge of Your Seat Podcast. On Spotify, please follow us. On Apple Music or Google Music, like us, follow us, mentions, reviews, all that good stuff. We appreciate it very much. Also, Twitter, Edge of Your CP, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Comment on anything you want to. You think something that I said or a guest said is crazy or awesome or, you know, you have another side to the story, a different perspective, please share. Definitely encourage that as much as possible. You have anything that maybe you don't want to put your name out there like that or you have a suggestion or somebody that you think is a guest or maybe you want to be a guest, anything like that, you can email us at edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening. Enjoy the conversation with St. Bede boys basketball coach, Brian Hansen. Until next time.
Peace. Just like the basketball season, Edge of URC podcast keeps rolling around. And with basketball, Edge of URC podcast going on at the same time, have to talk hoops with local coaches who loved speaking with. I have a, I'm going to have to call you a friend, Mr. Brian Hansen, St. B. Yes. Boys coach. How are you? Good, good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, anytime. I'm I'm really pumped up to do this. Been with Bruins for four years, and I pretty much knew all of your family before I came and did your first season preview with the newspaper. Oh yeah, that first time that we talked. I mean, we we didn't talk basketball for about a half hour. We talked all about uh, the family of mine that you that you knew and were had you know long standing relationships with and all that stuff. So so definitely a friend, Brandon, and uh, <laughs> really proud of what you're doing right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, a lot of your family, I call family, even though I'm not related to. So it was really awesome getting to meet you and, and know our connections. Once you get somebody up here that knows where Compton, Illinois is, they'll be a friend of mine for life. So I love it. <laughs> yes. If you've never heard of Compton, Illinois, let's just say it's the total opposite of Compton, California. And it is like a hole on, a hole on the wall. It's very small. <laughs> yep. In fact, my dad was one of 10 kids. And since they had about 300 people in the town, I always used to say they were about, what, 130th of the uh, town. So I'm not a math major, Brandon, but uh, but Compton was a bit, had a big history with the Hansons. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk about your Bruins team. I know you've been in a couple tournaments so far. Uh, you're at a 3-7 and seven record. And sophomore Paul Hart has been, uh, he's scoring the ball a ton. I've, I've only seen a couple of clips and videotapes. I have not been to a game yet. I promise I'm trying to before the season's over. All right, you better. Oh, I will, I will. But talk about Hart and what he's been able to do. Hasn't he had a, like an over 40-point game already? Yeah, you know, our first game of the season, we were in the Streeter Woodland Tournament. He had 44 points that first night and 17 rebounds. And, you know, that happens early in the year for a guy that's a sophomore. You know, the buzz came out pretty quick and a lot of people were talking about it and we've seen a lot of people come out just I think to catch a glimpse of you know thinking maybe he'll get uh 40 some night when they're there but uh you know it's just like anything else in sports it's not it's something you can't do alone you got he's got teammates get him getting him the basketball but I'll tell you one thing he's got a special talent when he gets that ball he's real elusive and slippery and and can score that basketball people got to come out and check us out he's going to be a fun one to see for a lot of years definitely if I remember right I don't know if he was on varsity at the beginning of last year or just did not start and he was on the roster you can let me know in a second but by the end of the year he was already known around the area and like okay we're gonna have to watch this kid moving forward we put him you know his freshman year uh we went to the Oregon tournament Thanksgiving and he ended up averaging about 20 a game in that Oregon tournament they got to the championship game and I mean I basically kind of looked at Coach Bima and said, yeah, you're not going to have him anymore. He was going to come up with us. And, and by the end of the year, you're right, Brandon, he was uh, he averaged about 13 points a game in about 24 or 5 varsity starts and was our leading scorer. He was fun to watch then, so I'm sure he's going to be yeah. this year even better. And, you know, two more years after that, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for him and for you because after Jackson Funson in that class left a couple years ago, you kind of went, you know, on a run that coaches don't want to be on. So to have, yeah. you know, talent coming up and players that are interested and involved in basketball as much as it seems Paul Hart is, that's got to be yeah. a good feeling for this coach. 
Oh, yeah. And you know what? And not throwing any kind of shade at any of our guys that we had in the last couple of years because we had some great guys. It's just we didn't have that guy like Jackson was. Remember, I mean, I mean, you covered a lot of the games when Jackson was playing and you kind of watched and were waiting to see what Jackson was going to do next. I mean, the number's still ringing in my head. He scored 653 points as a uh, as a senior. And, and, you know, you talk about where 1,000 is, is a big number, you know, to get almost 700 points in one season, that's that's averaging 22, 23 a game over the course of 30-some games. And and he could do that. He was electric when it came to that stuff. And Paul's on pace for that type of thing right now. It is kind of exciting to watch some of the numbers. I mean, granted, we, we get back and anybody listening to this, hey, we want to win just as much as we want to see different numbers, obviously more than that. But, you know, it, it is cool to see these kids getting after it. And, and Paul's a gym rat just like Jackson was. What I liked about Jackson was is he was able to score all that points with teams definitely knowing who was going to get the ball. So he had Alec Kunkel who could shoot, but sometimes inconsistent, always knew Jackson was going to get the ball and what he was going to try to do, and teams still couldn't they couldn't stop him. You know, it was funny because that kind of went in, in succession there. My first year having the varsity, John Dose was that way, and Jackson was kind of a secondary role as a junior and still averaged about 11 or 12 points a game. But a lot of the stuff that we did, we ran through John, and then the next year we ran it through Jackson. And, and you hit it on the head. They knew it was coming. They knew he was going to get it. And, you know, a person that has that much kind of savvy on the court finds a way to get to the foul lines, first of all, and then finds a way to, to get buckets when things aren't looking real uh, bright for you at the time, you know. So Jackson was really, really good at that. And Double team, whatever was coming, he was still playing. So I give him kudos to that. And you said Paul Hart's kind of on the uh, the path to kind of do the same thing as Jackson was able to do? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was going through some of the statistics the other day. Um, Kevin Hieronymus was asking for some stats, and I was, I'm starting to compile them. And I was looking at numbers, and Paul's actually only about 40 points away from where he ended up last year. <laughs> and, and we're not even to the Christmas tournament yet. Um, so he's so he's racked up some points and averaging about 23 points a game right now. And that's right around what, you know, Funson was doing his senior year. Shout out to Kevin Hieronymus with the BCR. I just, yes, seen, yes. I just seen him like, a, what did I see him, a week ago? Yeah, I went to yeah. a Mendota-Princeton girls basketball game and seen him there. So, Ed, um, your last few games were in the Kamoni Classic at Spring Valley at Hall, and mm-hmm. you guys lost the seventh place game by one point to Hall. That one stung, Brandon. We're, it still stings a little bit, but just like anything, you got to try to have a short memory, but you can't forget. You got to have a short memory, but you can't forget. I really thought we outplayed them. Hall's a really good team. You get a guy like Trezor Barcheck, you talk about a tough cover. That kid can do about anything he wants on a basketball court. He's fun to watch. He really is. And he gets everybody else involved. And I'll tell you, before the game, I was shaking hands with Fuentes. And uh, I shook his hand and I said, man, I'm really glad you're a senior right now. Because that young man has just absolutely killed us for the last two years playing against him. He's a heck of a ball player, too. And I could go on. I'm not trying to leave anybody out on their roster. You know, we were up two, and, and we missed the front end of a one-and-one. One. We got into a situation where we kind of foolishly fouled them. They made one. We missed the box out. They scored. We lose by one. And it was just 
kind of one of those jaw drop and we were kind of in disbelief that that we actually didn't win that game so but i'll tell you what when they got a winning culture like they do right now you find ways to win we're in that process right now brandon where we're looking to learn how to close games out learn how to win those games and then you know the more we start hanging around with teams and we're in those positions we're going to start putting them away i look forward to it and just to let you know i talked to mike filippini hall head coach yesterday and he said exactly what you said he felt that same beat out played hall and he was lucky to get the win and phil done a great job and i'll tell you what the first year when we were playing hall we had beat him by two at our place my first year coaching varsity was my first st beat hall game and he comes up he shook a hand and he goes he goes welcome to st beat hall and then we had another one possession game that we kind of we snuck out at hall later on that year 56 53 um, John Dose, I, I was talking to the guys tonight. We were putting in a play, and and it was the same play. Dose hit a game winner on against them, a three-pointer to go up three. And that's the last time we beat Hall. Coach Phil and his Red Devils have had our number, and, and I, we thought we got real close to getting getting one back in the Kimone, and we'll keep trying to plug away. We'll get after it. And I know we talked about, you know, Paul Hart kind of a lot already, but uh, yeah. made the all-tournament team. Who were the starters around him that helped him get to that level? Uh, well, you know, Gunnar Yao ended up after he had 15 points in that game against Hall. He played really well. He hit some huge shots in that fourth quarter, hit a couple threes. Gunnar started out a little slower shooting the ball this year, but I can see him starting to get his feel back. And here's a kid that's at the YMCA at 5 in the morning shooting jump shots getting a lot of work in, getting a lot of reps in. We're going to see a lot of real, real good things from him coming up here real soon. He had a nice tournament. Nathan Potoff is kind of a, a glue guy for us. Nathan's one of those guys that he'll do whatever you ask of him. He'll guard whoever you want. It doesn't matter if it's a point guard or a post player. He'll handle the ball for you or he'll go up and post up for you. you know, he's, a, he's a guy that is one of those where a coach, I know it's cliche, a coach says, coach's dream where you can ask him to do whatever and you can trust the fact that it's going to get done that's going to get done right so he he's a big part luke story also started for us he's a sophomore he's had a couple nice really nice games this year so far all of a sudden we give him the keys to the car as a sophomore and and he's handling the ball and he's he's running the show and that's not the easiest thing for everybody and but luke is just a student of every sport that he plays i mean i watched him this year he played varsity uh, football he, you know i know last year he was up playing with baseball i would assume that he's going to be again and and there's a kid that's got a high iq no matter what what sport you're talking about there's some guys that go around i mean i to mention i can cap things off uh Logan Link is a great role player. He's just a guy that'll do what you ask. Logan Grigg, this might be one of the fastest guys that's not on skates. I mean, you ought to see this kid go run around, um, gets his hands on everything. Braden Damrell played football all year, um, was the quarterback, running and, and throwing for tons of yards. And he gives us grit and some toughness on the basketball court. The last guy on our roster, um, Nick Pierce, he hasn't been called on a ton this year, but he's he's come in and hit, hit some shots and not been afraid to get involved right away. And we got a young group. We got a small group of kids, but I'll tell you what, they got a lot of fight in them, and, and it's been fun coaching them this year. It's a little long-winded when I talk about them. My <laughs> wife will tell you I'm long-winded all the time, but I'll tell you, I can talk, I'll talk about those guys all day. So <laughs> Definitely have to come see you guys sometime this season.
All right, yeah, we'll get you on the list. You just come in there and just tell them you you get the Compton discount. So <laughs> there we go, there we go. That's funny. Well, moving on from St. Bede, you know, right. definitely hope you guys the best season possible. But all right, I like talking other stuff with guests, so I don't just go on little rambles by myself and like, oh man, Brandon's an idiot. We need <laughs> we need somebody to argue with them. So. No, they're all going to be saying I'm the idiot after all this, so don't worry. You, you, you picked a good guy to have on here. I got your back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, a record was just broke. Drew Brees, most touchdown passes. That's pretty awesome. Are you a Drew Brees fan? Oh, how can he not be? I mean, every once in a while on social media, you'll catch a glimpse of, he went back to Purdue earlier this year to watch them play, and he gave a talk. And he started talking about everybody's contribution and what they were going to do for this game. And and he, he was talking to the O-line, the tight ends, the backers, the, the D-backs, the safety. I mean, you you name it, he had something for these people. And, no, oh, I'm on the edge of my seat just listening to this guy. He's amazing what he's done and, and the way he's done it, with the class he's done it. Who would have ever thought, if you were my age growing up, you know, I'm 47 now. The Saints were the Aints back when I was a kid. And for him to be there for two decades and put them on the map like that, is it, it's incredible. Did you catch that Reggie Bush thing that was on social media the other day? They showed him the night before his Monday night game. And Reggie Bush is in the back of their practice facility. And he's he's got this whispering commentary. And he's filming Drew Brees. And he's out, he's out there doing mental reps by himself. And Reggie Bush said, this guy does this every week. And it's no secret to his success what, you know, how he's done it. I mean, he's obviously, you know, God's gift, but he's prepared and he's used it. Oh, he, he's amazing. I, you could go on all night talking about him. He's a quarterback for the last 20 years and two decades where we got guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, you know, those types of dudes. So he seems to take kind of the backseat to them. But Lord, how can you not like him? And it's funny that you bring them up because I was definitely going to very soon. We know their resumes. Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, Hall of Famer. Drew Brees, yeah. Hall of Famer. All of them have Super Bowls. Tom Brady more than the other two, but right. he's in a system and there's cheating allegations and, you know, we, can, <laughs> you know, all, right. all that other stuff. Right, right. But if you were an owner of a franchise... And it was your call who was going to be your franchise quarterback with them in their uh, primes. I knew you were going to put me on the spot, Brandon. <laughs> I have to. I have yep. to. Which one of the three are you taking as your franchise quarterback? Well, first of all, if I'm in the top three picks, if I'm in the top three picks, I'm not upset either way. I honestly believe that you most likely got to just, like, I, I would most likely go with with Tom Brady. You know, all those guys have been around for a long time. I can't believe I'm saying this too because gosh, I just cringe about New England. Um, <laughs> but uh but Brady, he's one of those guys. He he does it to you every time. If you're if you're a fan of somebody else, he'll, he'll rip your heart out every time. And he's done it the most consistent for the longest time. So, I'd have to go with him, Brandon, but but again, if I'm picking two or three, I'm still happy. <laughs> Yeah, true. I will never forget last year's game against the Bears, where the Bears were like a one yard short yep. of scoring that yep. game winning touchdown. I know, I know, I know. I'm not a Seattle fan, but how about the what was it? Was that the Super Bowl a couple years ago? 
few year a few years back. Oh when yeah, they th- yeah. They threw the interception. Beast mode didn't get the ball or whatever, and then they threw the interception. And it was just like that's the type of team that you want to be on because you're always winning, and everybody hates you because you're always winning. You know, it's one of those they hate us because they ain't us. That's probably why I'm going to take Tom Brady because he's ripped my heart out as a fan 900 times in the last two. 20 years so (laughs) what is funny about him is he never really says any cocky or arrogant comments but he just he's married to a supermodel he's got six super bulls he's an mvp a destined hall of famer and they're like you know what i just don't like him right right i know and again they hate us because they ain't us and (laughs) that's what everybody's getting on him about that he's been kind of funny recently on like twitter and stuff he'll he he seems like he's probably if you're buddies with him you probably love the dude obviously and i bet he just jokes around just like we're joking around right now so he gave drew Brees a little wink when he passed um, peyton manning's record the other night and he said you know he goes kudos and he gave and he threw all kinds of congrats to drew then he went right to but i'm gonna keep trying you know because he's only like three passes behind you know drew Brees. so so anyhow three touchdown passes it's gonna be interesting to see even how this season ends because i don't think either one of them are you know retiring after this year even though you think they may i still don't see it it was hard to picture football without Peyton Manning, too. And now we've gotten used to it. And, I, and let me just throw in my Peyton Manning plug right now. The dude has the best commercials of anybody in the world for the most consistently, the most years in a row. Peyton Manning commercials, they're, they're the best. This, that dude, he, he should be on stage somewhere. Oh, no doubt. And I was going to tell you, <laughs> if you asked me a certain question, I would pick each one of these three guys to be that guy if they were different. So if you asked me, who would you like to go have a drink with? I'm picking Peyton Manning. Oh, God. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. If yeah, you, he's, he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. If you're asking me... Who do I want on my team with the best chances of winning games? I'm going Tom Brady. Right, right. If you ask me who I want to work out with and who I want to help me motivate to get to the next level, I am definitely going Drew Brees. Out of the three of those, if if you were in an NFL combine and looking at those guys, potentially, Breeze is going to get knocked upon right away just because his size is so different than those guys. So he probably, I, I, you, you almost could guarantee that he heard throughout the years, you're not big enough, you're not, you, you can't sit back in the pocket again when you got six foot seven linemen coming at you and stuff. You nailed it there, definitely. It's always a knock because of his size. But I love mm-hmm. it because he's like Allen Iverson, Spud Webb. Like, hey, I can do anything. <laughs> exactly, right. And the funny thing, I bring those two up, and I'm, I'm mentioning them because I just saw them on like a YouTube clip. Nobody ever mentions Isaiah Thomas when we're talking about small guys who were studs. Right. And I think it was just because of the level of stud that Isaiah Thomas was that nobody talked about him. But he was short and did everything. He, he did do everything. I actually just saw a post the other day that NBA was doing some old stuff. when Back when uh, Dan Hissel was playing for the Denver Nuggets, there was like a triple overtime game where the Pistons beat the Nuggets like 100. It was a ridiculous number. Like the Pistons won 187 to 184 or something in triple overtime. But Isaiah had 47. Isaiah could do anything. I think one big thing, and you're Kim, I think you came to the right guy on this because I'm a huge Larry Bird fan and um there were some times where isaiah said some things to bird and people didn't like that 
what was I mean? What was he? Six foot, six foot one. I mean, and that's in a basketball program, so you know that's embellished. They everybody talks about Kyrie Irving now and what he does with the ball. I mean, Isaiah was doing that stuff back in the <laughs> early eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you have to take in in perspective the era that he was playing in. So if he drove to the lane now, he gets a little touch, and he's probably getting a foul. In oh. the 80s and when he played, he was getting oh. hammered on by the three-point line, at the foul line, at the basket. He's getting jumped on by three people. Mm-hmm. Way different level of basketball. Oh, it's funny because I got a beef with the with the bad boys, the, the old piston bad boys, and uh, it was funny because Coach Schwab last night texted me and he says, uh, and Coach Schwab's the young guy out of our group with the sophomore and varsity, and and so is so is Coach Bloomhurst on the with the freshmen, but but Coach Bima, Coach Ice, and myself, we were all graduated high school in 1990, so we got our feelings about the bad boy Pistons. So Coach Schwab texts us and he goes, "Hey, Rodman, 30 for 30 on at eight o'clock." Just like nothing, Coach Ice gets back and says, "I can't watch it." because of my hate towards the bad boys, the Piston bad boys. And it's funny, that's how we were like that. In the 80s, when they went in the lane, they took heads off. So you're right. I mean, you you go back to some of those things, like Bird was in the finals against the, the Lakers, and they got blown out at home. Bird said they were they played like a bunch of, and I know this isn't right to say at the time, but he said sissies back in the 84 or whatever. They came out clotheslining people for layup, and they wouldn't throw people out of the game. Way different aggressiveness. I said level of basketball earlier, but different aggressiveness level was it was just insane. A lot of fun right. to watch, though. Oh, it was it was really fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, the talent. These. I mean, how can you? I mean, just look at the physique of these dudes these days. Obviously, guys like Jordan and stuff were in shape, but God, you stand next to a guy like LeBron or a Dwight Howard. These guys are like machines nowadays. It's crazy. And you didn't even mention Giannis. Giannis. Oh, Giannis, yeah, the He's, freak. They it's call him the Greek freak. freak, but I've been calling him the Greek god because yeah. he is. The talent level of these guys is amazing. I mean, I've, the one guy that's been a lot of fun to watch is this Luka Doncic, and he's, the things he's doing at, at 20 years old, it's absolutely insane. Love LeBron or hate LeBron, whatever. whatever usually you're on, you're, you're on either side of that. Most people have an opinion on LeBron. No matter what side of the fence you are with LeBron, how can you imagine somebody that's in there, what, I, I think it's his 17th or 18th season or something like that. It's, I think it's some crazy number. 17th and playing like he's playing. And you know what I mean? Like poster dunks on people and, and just the physicality every night. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I, he's a year older than me. He would have graduated <laughs> high school in 03. I graduated in 04. And I just think I just think about all the people that I know that have changed careers and changed whether they were athletes and went to different things. And, you know, me, I've done a few different things. And I'm like, uh-huh. LeBron has been doing this that entire time. The entire time, yeah. I was in my sixth or seventh year teaching when LeBron got out of high school. You know, and it's like, it's crazy, crazy. Super crazy. Well, I know you need to get going. I just want to thank you for joining, and it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you having me, and good luck with this, and hopefully there's people out there. We get a lot of people out here listening to to what you have to say, because I'll tell you what, little shout-out to Brandon, you guys, but I will tell you, this guy's passionate about what he does, Um, so give him a listen. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. No problem. All right, Brandon.
All right, you know we're going to have to have you back on now. That's great. I love it.